0: Visit myflexlearning.com backslash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet? podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes, so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place, now and for future generations. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 16 of the Are They 18 Yet? podcast. In this episode, I am going to talk a little bit about summer break and whether or not we should be structured, how we should handle summer homework, extra work. I know a lot of times both parents and teachers are, are asking things like, what should we be doing with kids over the summer when it comes to school and routines to make sure that they are ready for the school year? So I wanted to talk a little bit about structure over the summer, how much is enough, how you can figure out how to enjoy your summer, but at the same time not allow your kids to regress too much. So before we get going in this episode, I wanted to just remind you that I do have a great resource for you if you have kids who do tend to kind of procrastinate with some of their activities that they have to do on a day-to-day basis. During the school year, a lot of times that ends up being things like homework, because that is one of the most common things that kids have to do that requires responsibility, but that kids tend to Not want to do. So obviously, when I've shared my resource, the time tracking journal in the past, I have referenced things like homework, but you can also use this tool for things like chores and just different functional day to day things around the house that you might still be doing in the summer. So this could be things like making sure that you're keeping the room clean, making sure that you're cleaning all the other rooms in the house if you're having guests over and things like that. Now that we are in the summer and some of the things are starting to open up again, we're able to finally see people again. It's, There's a good chance that you are having some people over and you might want to have a nice clean house when they come over. So that might be something else that you're working through. And then also just basic functional things that you might want to be working on that might be a little bit harder to work on during the school year. Let's say that maybe you want your kids to be more independent with keeping their room picked up or doing the dishes or other chores, or even just learning how to make their own meals on their own. Maybe you have some kind of a cooking project that you want to do over the summer since you have a little bit more time. So if you're working on those types of things, sometimes if you aren't really sure how to do those things. So for example, if you are a child and you've never done something before, I mean, think about how you feel when you've done something unfamiliar. It can be a little bit scary and overwhelming, and you might be more likely to procrastinate or just have a feeling of not really knowing where to start. And as a result, procrastinating or digging your heels in. So if you have kids who are doing things like that with some of the things that you would like them to be more independent with around the house, then the time tracking journal is going to be really helpful for you. It's going to help your kids to, number one, be able to sense time and be able to tell how long things are going to take so that they can actually get ready on time and be able to be more organized and and plan better, but also just to give you a strategy to help them to talk through it and be more independent with some of those things. So to get access to that time tracking journal, you're just going to want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. So now let's go ahead and I'll get started with the episode. I'll just jump right into it. So I was actually having a conversation with someone the other day and talking a lot about executive functioning and how those are some skills that kids need in order to be organized and focused. And she asked a really good question. She said, all right, well, during the school year, I definitely want my kids to be organized. I want to make sure that they are doing their homework, that they are getting ready for their sporting events on time. And the schedule is a lot busier. So we want to make sure that we're all on the same page and everybody gets where they need to be at the right time and does what they need to do. But what about the summer? We're a lot more laid back in the summer. So so what should we be doing now? And this is a common thing that you might be thinking as this episode is being released. We're right in the middle of the summer. We're right in the middle of July. So a lot of times if people started off the summer thinking, wow, we're going to be really good at this summer with keeping up with school practice things. Well, chances are. If you were going to fall off track a little bit, it's probably happened by now. So, a lot of times, as a parent, I know if that would happen for me, I would be feeling some guilt, especially because July is one of the most popular vacation months for really anybody because it's one of the only months that the majority of people don't have any school because there's sometimes a little bit of school in June and a little bit in August. So, I think sometimes parents might feel a little bit of guilt or uncertainty around what they should be doing over the summer and how much is enough and am I doing the things that I should be doing? So I wanted to talk a little bit about some questions you can ask yourself to create a plan that allows you to establish some structure so number one, your house doesn't feel chaotic and you don't allow your kids to regress so much that it's really hard to get them back into the swing of things when school starts, but at the same time still allows you to recharge and enjoy your summer because that's important too. So a couple things to think about. I wanted to mention a really interesting resource that I have pondered on over the last couple years, and that is Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he talks about some of the research behind year-round school and and really the conclusion that he came to was that it really is very beneficial for kids to be in school year-round. Now, obviously, the amount of support that they have at home has a huge impact. If you are in a home where academics are a priority and you have access to books and resources that allow you to have some, some exposure to you know, good literature and things like that over the summer or enriching experiences over the summer, obviously you're going to regress a lot less than someone who doesn't have access to those things. So economics and socioeconomic status obviously plays a huge factor and is is definitely something that we want to think about when we think about regression over the summer. But at the same time, really, it's consistent that we know that consistent schooling is something that benefits all kids. But obviously, for certain populations, it's going to be way more essential than others. So with that in mind, I think sometimes Number one, it is really important to if you have some way to give back to underprivileged populations, books, things like that, that's something that's really important to be doing, not just for your own kids, but in order to give back and and help people who might not necessarily have access to some of the resources that other kids do. So that's one thing to think about. But if you're wanting to think about what to do with your own kids, obviously it is important to do something because while a lot of the things that we do over the summer are really important, being outside, spending time with family, playing sports, all of those things, it is important to do some schooling over the summer. It, the The research is pretty consistent that for all kids, all of them regress a little bit and it would probably be better academically for kids if we did do school year round, Now, I know that that would be kind of a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. A lot of people would be very resistant, but there are different school districts who have somewhat moved towards that model. I know that in some states in the U.S., there are kind of more on the traditional get out of school in June or May and then come back to school in August or September, depending on where you live, that's going to vary. But some districts have gone to a model where they still have the same number of school days during the year, but the summer is shorter. So they might only have a six-week break in the summer, but then they have a couple two-week breaks during the year, maybe after each quarter instead of just the big breaks like spring break and winter break. Uh, I know I have some friends who work in districts that maybe go back in July or August and then just have more breaks during the year. And my one friend who I'm thinking of now, I know she really likes it as a teacher, and I know that their district is doing really well. And as far as the data for student achievement, they really like it. So that is probably something I hope, as somebody who's worked in the school systems, that I do hope we start moving more to that model, maybe not necessarily doing away with summer break, but at the same time, moving closer to something like I just mentioned, where there isn't quite as long of a break in between, because that's going to be really helpful for all kids, but is also going to be really essential for some of those underprivileged populations who don't have access to as many resources. So I think overall, it's going to help student achievement if we can move towards something like that. But Being in the world that we are in right now, you might live in an area where they do have a pretty long summer break, so you want to know, all right, what am I going to do right now to help my kids? So the easiest way that I have found to organize it is to really first get clear on your priorities of, okay, Obviously, we're going to have more unstructured time, and that's fine, because as long as we have some level of expectations between what we do in the summer and what we do in the school year, even if it's different, it's going to be easier to transition if you don't go from total chaos to total rigid structure and routine. So as long as there's some semblance of a routine then it is going to be a little bit easier to know, okay, summer routine versus school routine. It's going to be easier to make that transition. So what I recommend and one easy way to do it if you are looking to enact some structure is to have the first part of your morning be a little bit more structured and then allow there to be less structure later on during the day. Or if you don't want to do it first thing in the morning, you have some type of scheduled time during the day when you do have something that's a little bit more structured where you do work on things that maybe have to do with school or that are a little bit more structured from a sporting event. So some of those things that you prioritize, you do have some structured time. And it doesn't have to be all day, but it can be some of the day. So obviously, it's going to obviously it's going to be less than what would be in the school year. So how that could look for you if you were going to have some kind of a structured time in the morning is to have some kind of consistent morning routine when we think about how late we get up in the morning, again, it doesn't have to be the same as the school year. It's okay to sleep in a little bit in the summer, but it is going to be easier if you are consistent day to day. So the, the start time of your day can be a little bit later in the summer, but it's going to be easier to get through the day if you do start off with some consistency. So if we're not just changing the bedtime and wake up time during the summer to be something different from day to day. As long as it's consistent, it's okay if it's later. So if you were to figure out when you're going to get up then the first hour or two in the morning could be your structured time. And then after that, once you get all of those things done, then you have unstructured time or you you can have a little bit of free time and it doesn't have to be as rigid. So the way that this could look for you could be maybe you get up, you have breakfast, and then you do 20 minutes of reading and then 20 minutes of something else that could be a priority. Maybe if you want your kids to work on math, you could work on that for 10 to 15 minutes. And then if there's something else that you want them to do, like a chore, you could do that. And then you could be done with that within the hour and then you have the rest of your day to relax. I personally like to get some of those things done first thing so that I have the rest of my day to do whatever I want. And I know that some people my husband included, who again, he's talked about this a little bit from the perspective of someone who does present with some signs of ADHD, that for him, if he starts off his day without structure, then he doesn't get anything done. But if he starts off his day with something structured, then he's more likely to be on task and focused the rest of the day. So the The first hour of the day is really critical for him. If you have a child who does thrive on structure, that might be the case for them as well. Again, it's okay if they're not a morning person and they want to sleep in a little bit. It's more about whenever they wake up, what you do that first hour of the day. And obviously... It is going to be important to, if you have things like devices, TV, phones, that those things, again, it's okay to play video games. It's okay to be on your phone as long as you're doing it in moderation and as long as you're doing the other important stuff first as well. So something to think about, and I know that sometimes people resist structure in the summer, but as I have said before, structure is your friend because what happens is that if you put in a little bit of Work up front to create that structure. What happens is that it can pre- prevent issues down the line. So, for example, if you have some structure about bedtime and what's expected as far as what time we're going to bed, and you have some consistency there, then everybody is going to be sleeping better. They're going to wake up at a good time in the morning. You're going to get up and out the door at the time that you want to. So what happens is that putting that little bit of structure in place at bedtime has kind of a snowball effect so that later on you can set expectations, or let me rephrase, so that if you set those expectations up front, then there's less chance that you're going to have meltdowns and confusion and have to be nagging at your kids to do this or that, or People are going to be better rested so that you're going to be less likely to have meltdowns. And same thing I always say with with things like even making sure that your kids are eating at a consistent time. Obviously, if you make sure your kids are fed and they're not hungry, then there's going to be less chance that there are going to be meltdowns. So thinking about those things, sometimes putting a little bit of structure in place, especially if it is that first hour of the day, can sometimes Put everybody in a state where you're just really starting off on the right foot so that everybody's regulated and you're less likely to have meltdowns. And communicating those expectations about what you want your kids to be doing is going to be really important because then you're not going to have any surprises if your kids thought that they were going to get free time and they're you're asking them to do something else. If you have a consistent routine day after day, then sometimes those things that maybe might be less motivating are a little bit more clear and it's easier to go through them. I know in my family with, with my stepdaughter, for example, if she has something that she might not prefer doing. So let's say that obviously, you know, maybe she would rather be on her phone texting her friends than reading. But if she knows that for the last week we've been getting up and reading first thing, then By the end of the week, she's not fighting me anymore about having to do the reading. She knows it's going to happen. She knows I'm going to expect it from her. She knows that this is what we need to do in order to do the other thing. And if you want to enact some kind of schedule or visuals, that's always helpful as well. But the more that you have that consistent routine, the more your kids are going to know what's expected of them. And they're going to have that predictability so that they know what's coming and there's less chance that they're going to be digging their heels in. Because if you have a child who might be worried that, oh, if I have to read, maybe I'm not going to have any time to do what I want to do. Well, if they know that all week, they did have to do something that wasn't their top preferred task, but then they've always gotten to do the things that they wanted to do after. They're not going to Have as much anxiety about that particular task, and they're going to know what's expected. You are going to have to do less work because you don't have to explain what's going on and what's going to happen because it's already been done. Routines can be really powerful that way because there's less explaining because you don't have to explain what's going to happen because everybody already knows. So that can be really powerful and really helpful for you as a family. And again, It's okay if you have some unstructured time. Sometimes it can be good to have some kind of a schedule where it's, all right, first hour of the morning, here are the things that we need to get done. And then for the entire rest of the morning or even for the entire rest of the day, we can play at the park or do whatever we need to do. And then, you know, maybe you need to come in at a certain time during the night. But if they can see... All of this time, I'm going to get my free time and then I can look forward to that again tomorrow if there can be some expectation set up front for how long that unstructured time is going to last. It can give you some some ways to communicate that to your kids so that there is less resistance to having to come in at the end of their free time or having to stop what you're wanting them to do. And and maybe they're, they're in the middle of doing something that they want to do and you want them to do something else. If there is an expectation of when that's going to happen, then at least you have communicated that so that they're, they know it's coming and it's not something unexpected. Because if you think about it, I know that, even as an adult, if I'm in the middle of doing something and I think that I'm going to have time to do certain things during the day, I'm already thinking about them, Already, I'm already planning them, and then somebody comes up and tells me that I have to do something I wasn't expecting, or if I'm in the middle of something that I enjoy doing and somebody interrupts me and says, hey, I need you to come over here and do this and just put down what you're doing now, I'm not going to just drop it and just hop over to what they're doing, I'm going to be a little bit annoyed and have some resistance. and, And maybe I'll take my time transitioning over to what they want me to do if I wasn't expecting it. So I think that we have to sometimes be aware of those things, even if it is summer, even if we are doing things that are a little bit less structured than what we might be doing during the school year. So Another question that I get is, so, okay, if I want my kids to be working on something relating to school over the summer, what should I actually do? And there are a lot of great sites that have different resources for language arts and math. But for parents, I really like to keep it simple because if you overcomplicate it, then I find that you don't do it. So I'm going to give you the simplest plan I can possible for what you can be doing with your kids over the summer. If you want to do some additional research and do some other things, that's great. But this is kind of that starting point where if you're doing this, you're doing a pretty good job and you're probably doing more than most people. So the the typical thing that is recommended for kids is 20 minutes a day of reading And I know a lot of times people like to take a day off on the weekends. I know that when with my stepdaughter, one of her teachers recommended four days a week because I think he kind of figured they're not going to do it on Friday and they're not going to do it on Saturday or Sunday. So I just want them to be reading with their kids Monday through Thursday. Now, ideally, you would be doing it every day. So what I usually tell people is aim for 20 to 30 minutes a day, five days a week if you can do it on the weekends, great. If you can't, then I would make sure that you do have some time blocks during the week that are a little bit longer, like the the top end of that range, 30 minutes. So with the particular reading materials that you pick, there are a couple things that I would recommend. Number one, the gold standard is real books, an actual paper book, which can be something that is is accessible if you have a library, but obviously people are going more to audiobooks these days and devices. So obviously my preference would be that you do have your kids spending time reading actual books because if they are using a device, there is the blue light and there is the temptation to hop over and look on an app, depending on what type of device you have them on. Kindles are a little bit better because they don't have the blue light and they are less likely to cause eye strain. I know that my optometrist actually recommended that. He said, if you're going to use a device, a Kindle is a little bit better because of the way that the words look on the page. It looks more like a real book and it is a little, a little bit more compact. It doesn't have a ton of other apps, at least mine doesn't, so that I can't just hop out and get distracted. And also, it is something that it does light up a little bit, but it's not the same as scrolling on my phone. So if they're reading, we want to do actual reading of books with text, not something that is kind of a video game format thing or some kind of a computer game. So just an actual book. And doing that is really simple. So reading is high priority. And when you're choosing reading materials, I would stick with texts. Graphic novels are fine, but I wouldn't do only graphic novels. And I would also just be aware of using a different variety of texts. So you might want to Go between fiction and nonfiction. If your child has a series that they really like, that's great. But it's always good to encourage them to branch out and try some other different kinds of books. But if they are reading the same series over and over again, that's that's still really good if they're if they're reading a book. So so that is still something that's positive, but it's always great to try to encourage them to mix it up because then they are exposed to different vocabulary and things like that. So that is one super simple thing that if you can do that over the summer, your kids are going to be in good shape. If you have a child who doesn't like to read, I do like audiobooks. I do encourage you to have your kids do some Some actual reading in addition to audiobooks, but audiobooks are a good supplement and are a good option if it is really hard to get your kids to sit and read. With audiobooks, the great thing about that is that if you have a child who struggles with reading and they are getting kind of bored with the books that are at their reading level or they're not super motivated to read books because they just don't want to be frustrated all the time then audiobooks are a great example of how you can help your kids enjoy reading and still be able to do that and, and get exposure to all the great vocabulary that's in texts and, and books, but can give them exposure to books that they might not yet be able to read on their own if they didn't have that assistance. So that's a great way to have your kids read some books that might be above their reading level so they can be exposed to all the good language in those books if they aren't quite there yet. And obviously you can always read with your kids as well. But audiobooks are a great supplement, but it's not a replacement for actual reading, but it is a good thing for you to be doing. So that's something that you can work in as well. And... And obviously, if you are sitting down and reading with your kids and asking them questions and things like that, that is always a great practice to be doing, no matter how old your kids are. It's always great to be having those discussions with them. The other question is, all right, what about math? Again, I my main area of expertise is in language and literacy. So obviously, I have a lot more to say about reading, but language also impacts math as well. So I do have some input here as well. One of the easiest things that you can be doing for your kids over the summer is to work on math facts. And the reason being is because if they are having to do word problems and a lot of application at school and they're not fluid with those math facts and they don't know them just automatically, then It can sometimes cause some cognitive fatigue when they're working through those math problems. So just getting really solid on math facts, even if you just spend 10, 15 minutes a day or even just do 10, 15 minutes a day a couple times a week, that can be something really powerful that can help your kids to really have the foundation so that when they start doing the more complicated things at school that they're able to do them. And that's something I know that with common core math, a lot of parents are finding that the way that math is taught now is not the way that it was taught when they were kids. And so sometimes parents are a little confused and not really sure how to help their kids. But if you stick with math facts, that's something that everybody can do. So just simple addition, subtraction, division, multiplication tables, and obviously, If you have a a child who does struggle with number sense, sometimes getting some manipulatives and drawing some pictures can be something that can help as well. So those are the two things academically that you can do. So reading every day, actual books, and then also practicing math facts. So if you just spent even 30 minutes a day doing both of those things, that would be great. I like to go with... 20 to 30 minutes of reading and then 10 to 15 minutes of math. But if you're doing something regularly during the week, even if it's not every day, that can be something that can be really helpful. And yes, it's okay to take the day off when you're on vacation, but if you're on a road trip, some great things that you can do is number 1 listen to audiobooks as a family or encourage your kids to spend some time reading. Again, it's okay if they're on a device for some of the time, but if you can get them to spend some time on reading before they switch over to the device, when they're on the plane, in the car, or whenever, then that can be something that's really helpful and can be a way that you can have some structure even when you're traveling. So that's what I recommend. And then the final thing that you could also think about when it comes to over the summer is that if your child is in a sport during the the fall and they're not doing summer sports, then sometimes, you know, what we've done for Olivia is that we've gotten some, some different drills that she can do for soccer. We've got some running drills that she does so that's a way that we have her do those things every day if she is not in some type of organized event. So we usually do for her we have three different buckets of things that she has to do during the day and we don't always do it first thing. We just make sure that she does it some of the time during the day or that she she gets it done sometime during the day, but it's it's the reading. It's something for her sport. And then it's some type of chore around the house. So you can kind of think about if you're thinking about how to enact some structure in that hour or two or however long you want to have it during your day over the summer, you can think there's the school bucket, there's the sports bucket, or really, actually, I should say extracurricular bucket, because maybe your your child doesn't do a sport, but they do some type of other activity like like play an instrument or art or something like that. So that could be, we'll say the extracurricular bucket. And then we have the, the functional daily responsibility bucket, which could include keeping their room clean, folding their laundry or something like that. And so again, over the summer is a great time that you can spend working on some of those more functional things like chores that you might not normally get to do during the school year. So those are... Those are my recommendations for summer routine. Again, this is something that if you do spend some time building up a routine, it does pay off in the long run because then your kids are kind of just in a better place. They are going to regress less when it comes to just being in a routine and being ready for the school year. And you are going to have those expectations communicated up front so that you are preventing some, not all of course, but some meltdowns and arguments later on. This is a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening. As I wanted to mention before, if you have a child who does tend to kind of procrastinate, or when you ask him to do some of these things like I'm mentioning, and they get kind of overwhelmed, they're not really sure what the steps are to to take to actually do whatever it is that you're asking them to do. So let's say that you want them to go oh, fold the laundry or or maybe do the laundry and they're not really sure what to do and they're getting kind of overwhelmed with it and aren't really sure how to, to tackle that, that chore or that task. The time tracking journal that I have is something that can help you to teach your kids a strategy that walks them through that process And number one, gives them a strategy so that they can tell if they're on track and so that they can learn how to handle activities that require multiple steps so that they can be more organized, but also can help them to develop the self-talk that they need in order to monitor themselves so that they're not getting off track when they're doing whatever it is that they need to do on a day-to-day basis. So it can really improve those things and can also help them to be able to more effectively sense time. A lot of times when kids are digging their heels in and procrastinating, it's because they're getting overwhelmed because they're kind of thinking in their head, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever. Even though you can see that it's something that's not going to take that long, they might not be able to sense how long it's going to take so that they can actually plan enough time to get it done and so that they can motivate themselves to get it done because they know, you know what, it's not going to be that bad. I'm going to get it done and then I'm going to be able to do the other things that I want to do. Now is a great time to be working on those things with your kids because you might have a little bit of extra time that you might not have during the school year. To get that time tracking journal, you're just going to go to DrKarenDudekBrandon.com backslash time journal. Again, that's DrKarenDudekBrandon.com backslash time journal. So for now, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, remember that it always helps us if you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find all of our episodes on Apple and most podcast directories and also on my site at drkarendudekbrannon.com. And you will be able to find the podcast tab and see all the episodes and scroll through all of them and listen to them there as well. Again, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you in the next episode.